Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. So um, just looking at the sets of data that you had to draw in the book, how confident can we be that the information we have about perceptions of the CV is, is sort of really robust that we can rely upon? Well, uh, you know, I, th- I think... Uh, it depends what we mean by rebuffed. Um, so, you, you know, it, it's not quantitative research. I haven't gone out and done a survey. But what I have done is to look at a mix of quant and qualitative. Um, so, you know, drawing on some of the stuff we've had from Britain Thinks, from the uh, Office of National Statistics, um, alongside more subjective data, looking at... Um, uh, our, our coverage in the media and drawing together these round tables. Um, and the, the four key findings that I pull out in the, 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 the book that I've written um, are actually supported by uh, all, all of those strands. So I feel fairly confident about these four perceptions. There are other things which come out in perhaps one or two of the strands, which I, I haven't chosen to major on, in the book, but these four findings, I am pretty confident about. Yeah. Um, One of your um, findings is that the sort of dominant feeling that people have towards the C of E is one of um, what you describe as benign indifference. And then that can be hard for us to deal with, those of us who are sort of involved in wrestling with, with the C of E day to day. Do you think in some ways that's sort of harder for the CV to grapple with than sort of outright hostility? I do, actually, because I think because of our our history and um, the place that we occupy, if you like, within the, the, the kind of establishment of our, of our society, I, I think it's kind of it's very easy for us to think everybody is. Uh, thinking about us all the time and you know has has clear and strong views about the church be they negative or positive actually I think for the majority of people they simply don't think about us very much at all mm. and it's it, in some respects it's worse to to be not thought about than to be hated we're not we're not hated we have to find fresh ways of engaging of playing a part in our society which which deal with the fact that we are for most people on the periphery and we don't we don't have any right to be thought about at all positively mm-hmm. or negatively which i think does tie in with some of the stuff which is there in the the, the church's vision and strategy over the next 10 years you know we talk about being a being a humbler church well, I, I think one of the things we have to be humble about is the fact that the majority of people are not thinking about us very much at all. And if we want them to, we have to uh, give them reasons to. Hmm. I thought a really interesting finding was that perhaps this came out from the roundtables, but actually the more positive views were actually more common among people who didn't kind of affiliate to the C of E than those that did. So does that sort of suggest that... Um, we actually sort of project negative ideas about the church onto the population at large. I think there's something in that. Mads, you and I both do Twitter, so we know what the kind of, we know what the Anglican discussion can be like on on Twitter and how passionately people hold um, 
their points of view, including their criticisms of what the church is or what they think the church is 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 doing or isn't doing that it should be doing. So, I mean, let's put it this way: those of us who are very involved in the church love the church. We're not in it because we don't care about it. We're in it because we really, really do. And when we see it falling short of what we think it ought to be, we get very uh, het up about that. And, and in a sense, that's un, you know understandable and not necessarily a bad thing. Whether that's always expressed in the most positive way is a perhaps a you know a different a different question. But uh, people who are not involved in these kind of internal debates and discussions. Um, listen to church people talking about what's wrong with the church and they're really quite surprised at how vehement it is and how um, how critical we all are. So I think I say in the book, there's um, there was one particular round table where uh, somebody who, um, quite a well-known person who has a church background but would now describe themselves as an atheist, uh, listened to other people commenting and then said, Gosh, you guys really hard on yourselves, you know, because, you know, from outside, I'm really surprised to hear you talking like this about, you know, ways in which you think the church has lost its way. Mm-hmm. Um, because from my, my my perspective, you know, I would feel a whole lot more more positive about what you're trying to do than perhaps you do. Mm-hmm. Really interesting, that that finding. You also talk about sort of the loss of a cultural fringe um, who perhaps we might sort of think of as nominal Anglicans or perhaps sort of very occasional attenders. Um, and I think people sort of have different feelings about that cultural fringe. And sometimes it's presented as, um, oh, we're left with a very committed core, which is actually a positive thing. So why does it matter that we're losing that that cultural fringe? What does that mean for the C of E? I think it matters immensely and I think it's been happening for a really long time certainly I would say throughout the post-war period this has been this has been happening so it's not a new thing and I think the reason that it matters so much is because most people's journey to to faith their conversion journey if you like happens not in one fell swoop you know I don't know I once was blind but now I see but it happens it happens over a period of time. So somebody who is on the fringe, who has, uh, you know, generally positive thoughts towards the C of E, who pitches up at Christmas and Easter, who likes it if they come for a wedding or a baptism, takes little steps, which over time may lead to them being quite a committed Christian and church person. The problem is, if that fringe is is disappearing, then we... We, we need a different kind of model for seeing people come to faith. And I think that I think that fringe is disappearing. So, for example, one of the things that uh, one sometimes hears from clergy is, well, of course, we lose people in their teens, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, when it's time to get the baby baptised or whatever, they'll, they'll come back. Well, there might be something in that for some people, but it depends on some sort of cultural affiliation being there at, at the outset. And if that's not there, there is no coming back to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, relationships and engagement have to be created afresh. So I think actually we, we have to stop thinking 
that this is, if you like, our primary mission field. And I think we do act as if it is, we sometimes act as if it is our primary mission field. Those who have, some, you know, those who would tick CV on the, you know, the, the, the hospital form or the census form, but don't come to church very often. That is the fastest declining group in our society. Meanwhile, there are other kinds of relationships waiting to be made. And in fact, through um, our online presence, and I think I say this in the book, there is a whole new digital fringe of, of, of people who have made some sort of connection and are maybe thinking about faith issues in a different way to how they were two years ago. Um, and we have to pay attention to, to them because that's probably where uh, the, the fringe is now. And uh, those are the people who are perhaps open to uh, exploring greater levels of engagement with us. Uh, but if we neglect that, then we, we will be in trouble, I think. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about where the opportunities are going to be to shift perceptions of the C of E, because you talk in the book about um, many people's encounter will actually be through a life event, say through a christening or a marriage or a funeral. And we know that all three of those are declining. Um, we also know that a lot of people who um, define as, as Christians or as Anglicans um, were born into Christian families, and that's going to be declining as well. So where are we actually going to, in, in future, find those opportunities to engage with people who currently don't come to church at all? Well, let me, let me say three things in response to that. The first is, you're absolutely right. I mean, they, those um, the, the numbers in, in those categories are are indeed declining. Having said that, they are still quite significant. And I think we mustn't neglect the opportunities which exist around life events. And, uh, you know, in most places or many places, the, the experience of organizing a life event through a local church is very positive, but unfortunately that's not consistently the case. And there are still, you know, horror stories out there of, you know, vicars who don't return the calls or a grumpy about the choice of music that you want or you know whatever it may be and we've got to get really 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 good at these so that in every parish uh, a non-church couple who say let's get married in the local church have ju just have the most wonderful experience of that so I think that you know that's the first thing it's hugely hugely important the second thing um I think I want I, I want to say is something or is something around the digital fringe and you know, we, we, we've seen in the research, uh, for example, the research which Samantha Comrades did for, for Tear Fund earlier in the pandemic, which showed that uh, a quarter of our population had engaged to some degree with worship online. Now, what does that mean? I mean, that could mean a whole variety of, of, of levels of engagement, but there was something. And amongst uh, younger adults, that, that rose to about a third of the population. I mean, these are really big figures. So I think we have to start really prioritizing that and saying, you know, we are in a culture now where, where, you know, one, I think we have, if you like, more spiritual seeking going on, particularly amongst the young. And two, people are doing that online. That's where they go. Um, so this really has to not be an afterthought. This is in many ways our primary mission field. So that's the second thing I want to say. But the third thing I want to say is I think we earn credibility by our social action. One of the findings in the book is that for, for most people, local trumps national, uh, which is to say, if, if people 
have themselves had or know of others who have had a good experience of the local church that shapes their perception of the Church of England more strongly than whatever they've you know seen on the television or you know read in newspapers or whatever um, and that that plays out both positively and negatively and that can be around the experience of life events um, which is actually another reason that life events need to be done so brilliantly well because you're not just engaging with the family you're actually having an impact on their, the perception of all of their friends all of their neighbors who were either part of that life event or just heard about it that those those people have spoken to but it also relates to what we do in terms of social action so the most positive things which are said about the cv by people who are not part of us or don't identify that way uh, are to do with they're to do with food banks they're to do with toddler groups they're to do with uh, you know the vicar being very engaged with the village school it's all of those it's all of those kinds of things um, which create a positive kind of brand reputation i know that that's not very anglican terminology but it is in a way what we what we're doing with those things it's not the only thing we're doing i'm not saying we should do food banks for that reason but it is one of the uh, the spin-offs if you like of our social engagement is that we create a brand reputation and um the challenge around that is making a connection between a positive and reputation, which in very many places exists, and belief in God. And that probably brings us to the most, I think, the most challenging bit of the findings that I, that I, that I came up with. People think that we're embarrassed to talk about God. Uh, one person said to me, well, I'd sort of wondered if you'd stop believing in God really and just decided to concentrate on good on good works instead because I can see that local churches are doing all these wonderful things but that's great but you don't really seem to talk all that much about about why you do it or let alone why you do it from any kind of faith perspective so there is a challenge around that I wanted to ask because I know you've written a comment piece um drawing on that point for this week's paper can you understand the nervousness of, of people to connect the two? Because I guess with social action, you're, you're often dealing with um, very vulnerable groups. And I think there's potentially a sort of anxiety that it would be exploiting, you know, the situation at a food bank or another social outreach project to then take a sort of evangelistic turn. And we also know from the Talking Jesus research that not every conversation about um, faith or about Jesus is positively received. So some people actually felt more negatively um, after a conversation with a Christian than, than before. So obviously the, the report links to the, the work to motivate the million and um, talk about missionary disciples and a sort of growing confidence about talking about our faith. But um, how do we reconcile that with... I guess, the risks of doing it, particularly when the report talks about the appeal of the C of E as sort of a, an unthreatening force, which is there for non-believers as well as believers. You must be sort of quite conscious of that tension. Yeah, hugely. Uh, and it's a really it's a really important question. I think what I want to say is that there is a third way which which neither falls into maybe the C of E trap of you know acting like our faith is covered by the official secrets act 
nor falls into the, you know, ramming it down somebody else's throat trap, um, which, you know, that probably isn't the tendency in the Church of England, or there, may be, there may be pockets, I suppose, but actually is just able to talk in a natural, humble, uh, non-controlling, non-patronising way about faith. I definitely would never suggest that, you know, somebody who's coming to the food bank should, you know, have to sit through a, a sort of improving homily about God before they before they get their groceries, you know, it'd be a travesty. But I do think we need to get to a point where if somebody says to us, ah, so, you know, you, you, this is a church. So why are you doing this in a church that somebody's able to say, well, be, you know, because of our faith as Christians. And that faith teaches us that, you know, God loves everybody and he, you know, he cares about everybody. And so we want to reflect that. I mean, that, you know, people can come up with a better answer than that one. But I think we need, we need to be able to do that, not to push it, not to force it, but to be able to, to, to respond and to be able to articulate in, a, in an unthreatening way. Uh, the motivation that we have for doing the things that that, that we do. You know, the, the, the social action and the community engagement that the Church of England is involved in does come out of our faith in God. It's it's not it's not just a sort of nice to have, you know, it 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 flows from something that we feel really passionate about. And um I think we should be we should be willing to to talk about that in a gentle way, in a responsive way, um, but we should be willing to talk about it. And we need to build the confidence. Most, you know, most people are, who have a conversation about faith, if that conversation happens in a kind of unthreatening way, a non-pushy way, that's a, you know, that's a positive experience. Um, it becomes a non it becomes a negative experience when when they feel like they're trying to be controlled or manipulated into you know taking a a particular step or responding in a particular way I'm not advocating that at all but I think we do need to we do need to be more able to talk about what it is that motivates us in the things that we do I did just want to ask um finally your, your report does highlight that particularly among younger groups um the church's um, attitude and teaching towards LGBT groups um, is linked to sort of a, a lower level of trust and concern, particularly um, in that age group. Um, we know that we're going to be having more public conversations about living in, in love and faith over the next year or two. How much of an impact do you think those public conversations are going to have on perceptions of, of the C of E? I mean, I think that this is, this is a big issue for us. It's um, and it is as you as you say, Matt. It, it, it's a it's a bigger issue amongst uh, younger people than it is for, for for other age groups. But it is an issue for other age groups as well. And um, whilst it comes up less than I had expected, when it comes up, it's seen uh, it, it's seen negatively. So. I, I think, um, I, I don't argue that the church needs to, to adopt a particular stance because of that. I think that 
the church does need to be aware though that particular stances do engender a negative response from um the wider population and particularly from from younger people so we need to you know we need if you like to 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 price that in to the positions that we that we take and i think the other thing is we need to make sure that if we're going to have public debates about uh things which are not just controversial, but actually are really, really close to people's own lives. It's people that we're talking about here. Those conversations really have to take place in an atmosphere of grace and love and uh, trust and believing the best of one another and understanding that we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about something which is theoretical. We are talking about people talk about individuals uh, within the church and without the church it, individuals who are on their own faith journey and I would really encourage us to try to have those conversations in a way which is which is not going to you know alienate people who in fact might well be interested in exploring faith within the CV. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.